Hi, my name's Hanif. And I am Miki. Welcome to Monday Train Ride Talks, a show where we try to break down interesting stories from a number of Indonesian professionals who spent their career working in Hong Kong or overseas. In this show, we hope to make your Monday morning train rides a lot more enjoyable by learning a thing or two with us and applying these lessons to our own lives. Good evening, everyone. Thanks, Felix, and thanks, IBA Hong Kong, and everyone who joined us tonight. Um, welcome to our first live on air, a collaboration talk between MTR Talks and IBA Hong Kong. We are so excited to have our first guest, Sid, who sit across us. Actually, we are we are here on Sunday night in Sid's office. Today, we'll hear a lot of insights from Sid, someone who's been in recruitment and talent management for years and very familiar with Indonesia as part of his upbringing. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, hi, Sid. How are you? Very well, thank you. An interesting time to have a podcast on Sunday night, but thank you all for organizing this. So first things first, can you introduce yourself a little bit in Bahasa Indonesia? Sure. I've been practicing this for a week um, <laughs> and I have been out of Indonesia for many years, but I'll, I'm going to give this a good try. So, uh, hello, semua. Uh, my name is Sid. I tinggal di Jakarta sekitar uh, 16 tahun. Setelah itu, saya datang ke Hong Kong untuk universitas. And following that, I joined the workforce in recruitment. Ah, very nice. Thank you. It's a lot more than me saying I like nasi goreng. <laughs> but hopefully that was good. <laughs> very nice. So, so you were in Indonesia throughout your school days, I assume. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, and then now you came to Hong Kong to uni and joined the workforce, as you mentioned. So can you actually share a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So I, I run a recruitment business in Hong Kong. Um, I work for a company called Hudson. We're one of the largest privately held recruitment firms in APAC. And I look after the Hong Kong business. Cool, cool. Uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about what you do on a day to day. And given that our topic today is about thriving in our careers away from home, it's only fitting that we start with trying to understand what is it that employers look for us in potential candidates. So. With your experience working in this field with employers and talented individuals, so what are the key characteristics that make someone a great hire? Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting question. I know it sounds very broad, but I think it's it's a it's accumulation of different factors. So obviously, one being technical, the second one being the EQ side of things, and then obviously the third one being the actual fit. Uh, so I think that three things together make what we call the right hire. Um, it's not just, uh, uh, you know, something that we see on a CV as we all think it would be. It's a, it's a combination of all three things, in my opinion. So which one do you think is actually the most important part of those three? Can you share a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it's probably the last one, the actual fit. Um, you know, uh, someone who really loves number crunching, sitting behind Excel most of their time. You know, he or she would not be able to do, let's say, Rob's job, um, who's here, you know, doing investor relations, for example, which is a lot more communicative um, and and requires someone to have very strong interpersonal skills. So I think just matching the strength and the aspirations of what someone wants to do and the actual job, I think that's probably the most critical thing of the of of the right hire. So it it sounds like finding the right girlfriend or boyfriend. 
or boyfriend you know like you need to uh, try no matter how good you are in something but if you're in the wrong position or wrong pla- place then it just doesn't work out totally agree with you totally agree with you and and you know that's a, that's a funny topic right now some of some of us in the recruitment industry joke about how we are the tinder of of, uh, <laughs> of, of job of job uh, of the job market right because it not only depends on what you like in in your partner or in your, your new job it also matters which stage of your life you are in right mm. whether you prioritize work-life balance more or whether you prioritize you know having uh, the most income or working the longest hours um and so you know it's it's absolutely you're absolutely right you know it, it's it's like in many ways dating <laughs> how do you how do you get to know more about that from both the employer's perspective and from the candidate's perspective can you share a little bit yeah no that? absolutely uh, so look the, the whole value or the point of having a recruitment agency uh, and and there's a lot of us out there believe it or not um uh, is exactly, is actually uh, just really getting down to the detail right so my team here in hong kong spends uh you know several hours in their week meeting uh 15 uh, sort of job seekers in their vertical in their specific market and so um with lots of internal training and the ability to ask the right questions, you know, we're able to really de- uh, find out the, the, the sort of the root reasons on what makes a, a candidate click in, in their role. And similarly, we do the same on the, on the, you know, what we call the client side, but for, for the, for the ease of understanding of everybody, it's, it's the, it's the employer, right? Mm. What does an employer look for? And that employer could look for maybe something very similar to another company, but, their, uh, again, coming back to what I said, their fit or the EQ side mm. may differ from organization to organization. So I think, uh, again, just finding that right batch is, is what we hopefully bring value to, to our customers. Mm. So from the perspective of the, uh, impl- the candidate, how do we market ourselves so that in, and set up our own personal brand in a world where all the information is accessible online? Basically, do you have some tips on that? Yeah, yeah. I think you 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 talked about a very interesting point: personal branding, right? And again, something that a lot of people uh, may not necessarily take seriously. Um, you know, how you market yourself in an interview doesn't dictate how you get the role. I think those days are over. Uh, a lot of a lot of people online talk about, you know, their social media profile. You know, whether it's uh, LinkedIn on the more professional side or you know, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, uh, you know, it, it all depends on the role, right? And so if I'm, if I'm applying for a digital marketing manager role, uh, maybe the, the comprehensive use of my social media profile might actually influence the employer to say, okay, this person actually uses these tools. I can give you an example. We're working with a, a, a very uh, up and coming skincare company in Hong Kong these days. And, uh, you know, they're looking for someone, again, the title might speak for itself. They're looking for a digital marketing manager. But one of the things that they told me was, we want this person to actually use all the tools that we use. So whether it's actually making YouTube videos or whether it's speaking to KOLs or whether it's being able to have their own Instagram handle, right? Those are prerequisites, which let's be honest, five, six years ago, that that's probably not a prerequisite anymore. So I think employers are getting more and more aware. There's a lot of choice. And so personal branding around how you pitch yourself to the, to the employer, you know, is where you stand out uh, in the market. So I think, again, like you said, it's, it's becoming incredibly important by being able to use what the role requires 
and 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 you know pitch yourself for the lack of good word is what's going to set you apart from 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 other from other candidates in the market so it's it, it seems that it's one of the tips to um doing the work is actually important but um making sure that people know the work that you are doing is also important so not only when you search job but i also think that during our day-to-day basis at work you know how we position ourselves in the company our brand who what are we good at uh what our colleagues think of us is also important to help us to thrive in the working environment absolutely and and actually another example comes to my mind and i know a lot of people are interested to talk about this which is the cryptocurrency world right uh there's so many very interesting companies out there now not only doing basic crypto trading but also blockchain right uh and and that could be different uses of the blockchain so again many of my clients in this space tell me that candidates must be doing their own trading that's a prerequisite. If they don't do their own trading or if they don't know the purpose of digital currencies or, or the whole uh, blockchain ecosystem, you know, they shouldn't be working in a crypto company because this is a new age, right? This is a new school. So again, times are changing and it's becoming more and more important that you really live and breathe the product of your employer and you then have a, a very good chance of standing out uh, of the crowd. Uh, sorry, another interesting point when we notice uh, when we do uh, discussion also that we don't see a lot of Indonesian high-level executives, not that we are aware of, especially compare in comparison to other Asian cultures. Um, do you, do you know um, why is it the case or um, how to better position ourselves? You know, to see more and more Indonesians rising to high-level executives like you, you yourself. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, again, it, it, we probably don't have the data, but, you know, just, just putting a, uh, a rough sample size, you're right. I mean, you look at the, the top 500, the Fortune 500 CEOs, I can, I can barely count on one finger or one hand, sorry, uh, how many Indonesian CEOs are there. Uh, and there should be a lot more. You know, there's some amazing talent in Indonesia. Um, I, I think um, I think that will change, in my opinion. I think, uh, you know, just before uh, this podcast, you, myself, and Hanif were talking about the future of Indonesia and how it, in my opinion, is going to be um, an amazing 20 years ahead for Indonesia, in my opinion. Uh, you look at now uh, people like all of us on this call, uh, for example, who have taken a bold step to leave Indonesia, come out and 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 really, you know, for the lack of good words, struggle in a new country, new place, and 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 you know, just give it a, a proper shot. And uh, yeah, imagine that multiplied by the fourth largest population in the world, right? And so, you know, I, I see that's going to absolutely change. Um, you can already see, you know, uh, not just uh, the big guys like Gojek and Tokopedia, but you also see Bukalapa and some of those really cool startups that are coming up in Indonesia. And you can see the amazing potential it has, right? You look at the uh, middle class of Indonesia now, uh, digitalization and the adoption of digitalization has really accelerated in the last one year, pretty much. So I think the future is very bright. I, I think, you know, my advice to Indonesians and, and, and um, you know, I guess young Indonesians who, who want to make it to the top and who have really ambitious plans is, you know, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. As, as cliche as that sounds, you know, if someone else can do it, you absolutely can do it. 
Right, right. So, you know, just have the guts to, to try and to embrace the opportunity. So, and so we did a quick poll among our members through social media, like you say, because now the trend is, you know, in Instagram. So we did the Instagram poll and asked, actually, what are your biggest struggles working in Hong Kong for uh, Indonesians? And then we see that we realize the answer is mostly language and culture barriers, our biggest struggles. Look, we don't speak the local language. And then um, although we already stay here for, you know, like almost seven years for myself, we're still sometimes struggling to getting along with the locals very well. Like it's just not an easy click as compared when we get along with Indonesians. Um, um, she also like probably have this experience in the beginning, like, you know, you came to Hong Kong, you're also not from here. Um, what's your proven strategy, you know, to overcome particularly language and culture barrier? No, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, uh, uh, I have a lot of Indonesian friends in, in Hong Kong, not just in Hong Kong, in other parts of the world, you know, who, who grew up in Indonesia and, and went to school in the US, Canada, etc. And, and again, I think that that challenge that you just mentioned is quite common um, among Indonesians stepping out into a new new country or, or a new place. Um, I, I think a couple of things, right? I, I, I really don't believe language barrier is uh, is and should be an issue. I think if you look at uh, people coming from any country, if English is not their first language, you know, they are able to adapt. They're able to really blend in. They're able to really do a phenomenal job. Um, so I really don't think that's that's an issue. I, I think, um, uh, you know, Indonesian people in general are extremely close-knitted. They're very uh, loving. They're very caring. And, and so naturally, you know, gravitating to people who are similar is very nice. It's a, it's a good feeling. It's, a, it's comfortable. Uh, but again, you know, that's not going to help us when it comes to career development, when it comes to, uh, you know, finding your way to the top. And so my advice would be make a mistake make many mistakes and don't be afraid to make more and more mistakes. Uh, the fact that you're able to leave Indonesia and come to a, a foreign country, whether it's Hong Kong or anywhere else, is a brave step, right? And you've done that once, you can do that again, and you can keep making those big brave steps. And sometimes it may not go to plan. Uh, but after that experience, uh, you will get stronger and stronger, as cliche as it sounds. <laughs> um, we were talking about this earlier, join Clubhouse, you know, for people who, for people who feel camera shy, you know, get, get on Clubhouse, uh, you know, listen to people, they have a lot of stories. And, uh, you know, once in a while, you can say something, right? You, you don't, you don't have to show your face on camera. But once you say those first few sentences, you'll get confidence like never before. And if you keep doing that over and over again, you 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 will be unstoppable. So I think that's a, that's a, that's again some of the many ways on really breaking out of that shell. What we call that. I think it's, it's to have that first try. You know, like to be honest, this is my and Hani's first live talk. Usually, you know, when we do podcast recording, we can always edit cut it and then when we make mistakes okay okay re-record but this is our first so we're also nervous so we really spend time to um, rehearse before we come in here but I think after the first one the second and the third one's going to be like much much easier absolutely absolutely I, I, I mean in, in my own way I had my first webinar uh, uh, in front of a, a very large audience uh, six months ago it's my first time actually and it was tough. It was it was challenging. Um, and then I thought to myself, I have nothing to lose. What's going to go wrong? It's okay. And they just give it a go. It may not go to plan the first time, but the second time, you'll know exactly how to make it work. So uh, no, you're you're absolutely right. Hundred percent. 
just for fun though, said, are we as Indonesians well known for something? Like any specific traits or labels? <laughs> Not in a negative way, obviously. No, I actually thought about this a lot. Uh, and uh, and the, the reason is, yeah, I know we're, we're trying to talk about how Indonesians can break out of that comfort zone, make it to the top and, and really do well and become world famous. Um, I honestly think Indonesians are the most polite, humble and caring people. Um, as, as we all have, we have all traveled the world and uh, the warmth that we get when we come, you know, land from the airport all the way to, you know, going to a mall, going even going to a warung, right? You go and ask for, again, nasi goreng, and, and the guy is so happy. He's so caring, respectful. I think that's the, that's in some ways, that's one of the most amazing things about Indonesian people in general. And that goes a long way because oftentimes people, uh, even in, in senior positions, they, you know, they, um, they sometimes lose their ground, right? And they, they tend to become slightly, uh, you know, for the lack of good word, arrogant. And I think Indonesians in general, and I know a lot of senior people in, in back in Jakarta, they're incredibly polite, incredibly humble. The humility is, is top of their agenda. So I think, again, that's really what, in my opinion, it makes Indonesians stand out. I think... I agree with that. I agree that we're we're really nice to each other. We're really polite to each other. Maybe sometimes do a little detriment to ourselves. I think we can be too polite. But uh, honestly, I think that's definitely something that I really agree upon. Before we move on to like a, another particular topic that we want to focus on today, just kind of uh, want to emphasize on you know personal branding. I think that's really important that we need to have that in this age today, and knowing that. Uh, we need to be familiar with the tools that we're actually going to use in our jobs later on. Maybe something that's really useful, a prerequisite, really, like what you said. Um, so, yeah, so make many mistakes. That's kind of, we, we need to be able to embrace that in order to grow to the future. Yeah, I, I have a couple other points. I mean, uh, you know, which, which again, I've, I've done some preparation to, to put together to share with the group and the audience. Um, and, and again, some of these might be cliche in my opinion, but I think it's, it's so important to mention this. Uh, there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to success. It, that's the reality. Uh, if you're in a startup that is, is, on, the, is on a growth potential 10x, uh, you, know, you can absolutely be that next CEO if, if you work hard. Right? I think that's so important in any job, whether you're in a startup, whether you're in a global MNC, it doesn't matter. I think what people tend to forget, and I think here's where I feel Indonesians specifically can do a really good job, is people often think, especially in a client-facing role, having strong EQ or interpersonal skills to talk to your client or your customer is more important than your internal stakeholder skills. Actually, in a large company or an MNC, that's not true. And I won't take names here, but we know a lot of large banks globally in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is very famous for financial services. Um, oftentimes, uh, ensuring you have very strong relationships with the right people sometimes accelerates your career growth faster than anyone else. And um, is this the right way? I can't comment on that. Have I seen people uh, really race to the top when they know the right people and right place, right time, things have been said? Absolutely. So I think, I think Indonesians, again, coming back to the point, Indonesians have a great advantage because they're generally uh, people-oriented um, uh, you know, people, of course. And so being able to have strong interpersonal skills and humility with the right senior people in an organization 
actually might massively help them in their career growth. Um, it, it doesn't always have to be about how well you do a project or a task or, a, or, or win a client. It sometimes is, you know, ensuring you're, you're close to the right people. And, and, and of course, doing the, the, the good, good, good work that you do anyway. So now you mentioned about managing internal stakeholders. So, but some of us tend to have the mindset of, you know, we want to separate work and professional life. And um, I don't even want to hang out with my colleagues after work. Yeah. Um, is this, I know it's a people choice. Everybody have their own choice. But do you um, suggest for us to, you know, be uh, more open up to our colleagues, you know, Uh, understand more about them outside work, um, hang out with them, go happy hour with them, spend more time with them to understand. Does it, it, is it the, that what you mean with internal stakeholder management? Um, yeah. Um, I, again, back to your point, uh, every professional is in a different stage of their career. You know, you have people, uh, as we earlier discussed, in their you know uh, mid to late 20s, then you have another demographic, who's in their, uh, you know, 30 to 40s and then 40 upwards and so on and so forth, priorities change, right? Uh, and as priorities change, sometimes the jobs you choose or the employers or the job opportunity that attracts you does change. Um, when you're in your early 20s, you have, you are limitless. You, you have so much energy that you can work 24 hours a day and it's totally fine. And as we all get a little bit older, our priorities change. We have partners. We may have kids someday, things like that. And, and you start to think, okay, what's more important in my life, right? Um, so, so, yeah, it is different. But, yeah, if I have to give anyone any advice, um, there is absolutely no harm to get to know your colleagues, to have good relationships internally, to, to be friends with your coworkers. Um, and, and that, and because the reality is you won't be staying in a company forever. I hope you do, but if you don't, your colleagues will also go to different firms. Um, it's a, it's a real fact in recruitment and especially in Hong Kong, internal referrals are actually very high on the table when it comes to being able to find new roles, even more than recruitment agencies. So if you have a very well-connected social life that could include your work life too, you might actually have a better chance on finding a, a, a very a lot or have a lot more options than going through someone like me, for example. Um, so again, not just for the immediate benefit of, of being successful in your organization, but also think about three, five years ahead. Um, you know, we, we look at some of the uh, IPA board members and they are in different countries and they have different jobs. It's always helpful to know different people. So I think there's absolutely no harm if you can step out of the box and, and, and be a little bit more social. It's definitely going to help you. So now we would like to talk something a little bit different, something also like one of the most interesting topic among our guests, which is about switching careers. And as you probably notice that you know the young the younger generation the millennials we like to jump around and try different industry and we like a shortcut like you say you know when we move to another company we get higher salary uh, we're hoping for a, a higher role and everything um, so but correct me if I'm wrong you've stayed in this company for over around coming four, up to seven years in uh, in June 
in June. So is this one of uh, your graduate job? Or? That's right. Yep. After so, graduation, this is my first role. I had a few internships, but this is my first full time. First graduate job and you made your way up here. So is this, uh, is it because you would like to specialize in talent management and recruitment or is it because like you find the opportunity here so you just stay? No, that's, that's a very good point. Switching careers, identifying your career. I'm sure you have uh, people in your audience and in the community who are Uh, you know, maybe just about to graduate as well, right? And they might be wondering what career to look at. And of course, along with switching careers, I didn't plan to join recruitment. I actually wanted to be an investment banker. Um, and, uh, you know, being totally honest with everybody, uh, my GPA wasn't the best. <laughs> I, I I rather spend time socializing yeah, and partying, yes, than actually studying. And so I wasn't that great at that. And But I did realize along the journey and, along meeting so many different kinds of people that I, I like to talk. Yeah, I like to talk. I like to mingle. I like to understand people's background. I really enjoy that. That's something I really enjoy. And so after exploring different kinds of internships, I decided this is probably the right sector for me. And I joined it. And uh, yeah, like you said, you know, coming up to seven years, it's been a very great journey and hopefully more years to, to come as well. Um, so yeah, we've been here a long time now. Have it ever crossed your mind to switch industry or even switch company? Um, actually, not really. I, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. I think this is the right sector for me. And, uh, you know, my personal, my company has has been very, very uh, good to me and, and rewarded me along the way. Um, so, no, I've never thought about that. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's, you know, I wish I would like you, you know, like my first job and I immediately <laughs> like it. Okay, disclaimer, it's not that I don't like my job. <laughs> I hope there's no other call here. But uh, if some of us thinking um, to explore, we don't know what we like yet. Um, do you have any cut off point when, you know, you have to stop exploring now and start specializing because otherwise you'll be like too much of a generalist and not specializing in anything. No, that's a very good point. And, and I'm sure people also think about, you know, um, their CV, right? I, I'm pretty sure most people think about their CV and, Um, and I'm sure a lot of our older generation and even our parents say, hey, when you're young, you can explore. Don't worry about that. Um, but the reality is, um, yes, in your first job, even in your second job, you can explore. You should explore. That's the right thing to do. Right. And and actually, the best way to reduce um, the the movements could be doing lots of internships. Yeah, Internships are great and, and they're an awesome way to get a feel of a sector or of an industry. Yeah. Before uh, Hudson, I interned in uh, Nokia. I interned in Qualcomm. So I, I really tried to explore the tech sector. Um, I, I love I love reading about it, but it wasn't for me. Uh, but back to your question, um, I, I really advise people um, not to jump or move jobs for the sake of moving jobs. If you're moving a job just because you feel you've been in a company for a few years and And uh, you feel like you need to change, don't change. You need to have a purpose before you change your job. I think sometimes when people, even for example, like me, have been with a firm for a long time, you think, oh, I've only been here. I should, for the sake of my CV, move company. That's the wrong thing to do. 
because the opportunity could be within your firm. Every year you stay with your organization, you build credibility. You build internal points, if you know what I mean, around the company knowing you, the stakeholders knowing you. Um, and in, in this new 2021 world, there's a lot of internal mobility. Uh, most of the firms are global, regional. Um, you could look at different departments. Um, so, so uh, you know, don't, don't jump for the sake of jumping. Um, I think, uh, as we all know, nobody, no employer likes jumpy CVs. Uh, so please make sure you think twice before you move. If you've made a lot of moves already, it's critical that you think about the longevity of your CV. Um, but of course, if you do decide to move, you know, then there's a various factors that come into play, whether it's your pay scale, whether it's your position. That position does not, does not necessarily mean title. Right, it means the impact that you have in the organization. Right, so um, you could be called an analyst, but have the biggest impact in your company as much as an MD. Um, it doesn't matter. You've got to think about the position itself that you're 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 playing. And lastly, the nature of your industry, like you mentioned, you know, moving from a different sector. You know, a lot of people are interested in e-commerce and digital these days. Right, people think about that. Um, so yeah, I think those are the factors to consider um, before you, you you make a move. So, given the current global health and economic crisis, though, how d difficult do you think is it to switch to another company or industry, given the factors that you've highlighted before? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think if you look back at 2020, I, I, again, I'm sure everybody's watched uh, enough YouTube videos and and news articles and clippings about 2020, but it was the worst uh, recession since the Great Depression, right? Uh, on record, I don't see any company who's come better off out of that, of course, except for companies in the e-commerce space. Um, but, but overall, the general sentiment has, has been uh, badly hurt. And, it's, and we're still going through that phase, right? And I think hopefully, you know, uh, uh, 2022 will be a better year. But, you know, no doubt companies are, in, are still in the cost-cutting mode. They are looking at their cost far greater than they were before. Um, and so that's the reality. So, uh, you know, be cautious. Um, that would be my advice. Um, you know, there are several firms last year specifically who hired people and they were hit with this sudden economic shock. And uh, there was an old rule in recruitment, um, first in, last out, right? So. Um, if you're the first, if the, the new intake in the company and the company goes through economic shock, uh, you're, you're the first one to unfortunately be made redundant. But anyway, uh, moving away from some uh, gloomy side of things, <laughs> I think it's a great time to move into anything related to digital and technology. Um, if you have interest in these spaces, uh, you could really consider this as a great option. I think if you just look at not just Hong Kong, but Asia Pacific overall, it's a great time to be in digital technology. Um, you could be in a traditional company, but within the digital department, you could be in an e-commerce company. Uh, you know, any of these companies have phenomenal growth potential um, in the next five to 10 years. So great place to be if, you, if you're looking for a new role. Last question before the Q&A session. I just want to go back to what you said about the referrals and how you can build that network, really. Because uh, most of us, when we get out of uni, we apply jobs through job websites. But my previous managers always say that the best jobs after that always comes through referrals. Do you, do you have any actionable tips that we can have to 
you know, to get, to find the people that can give us those referrals, you know. Um, yeah, so any tips no, on No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and this is something hopefully, uh, you know, will open people's eyes. When, when, uh, when job ads go up online, let's say on LinkedIn or JobsDB or, or, or any job board that you look at, actually there has been a lot of internal discussion and internal search in a company before that actually happens. Uh, there is a lot of discussion in the company around, is this worth replacing, right? Especially in the times that we live in. So when the job actually goes live on a job board, um, you know, the, the, the company has done a lot of thinking, a lot of due diligence, a lot of research already. And so you're, you're a bit late to the game already, uh, believe it or not, even when the job, job ad goes live an, an hour ago. Um, so like I, like I circling back to what we started uh, was around being social, being able to mingle with your colleagues, you know, uh, uh, really networking within your organization. That is uh, right now, in my opinion, one of the greatest way to get a new job. Uh, it's a safe bet. And uh, new employers always love internal referrals because they feel that they, it can be far more trusted. Um, so that's an excellent way to, to go about it. So action point there is really, you know, make sure you're, you're in touch with your ex-colleagues. Don't lose touch. It's great to have them in your circle. Uh, I think the second point is LinkedIn. I think that's a no-brainer. And I think most uh, millennials and not only millennials now, uh, you know, e even the, uh, uh, the slightly more mature generation are using LinkedIn far more than ever before. Uh, you know, make sure you have... Um, uh, a very strong profile, a photo, a descriptions. Again, some of the basic stuff that you need to do. And lastly, make sure you talk to recruitment agencies. Um, uh, more often than not, recruitment agencies are directly in contact with the decision makers. And uh, they will know the trends of an organization before it's even in the market. So a great idea to, to be in touch with them. So those are the small tips that I could recommend um, you know, to, to anyone looking for a new role right now. Thank you, Sid. We'll keep that in mind, definitely. We've come towards the end of our talk where we've learned so much in the last, I think, an hour or so. Um, so if I may recap a little bit, then it's when the, the second half, we talk more about switching careers, switching industry roles, or even moving back to Indonesia. So first thing first, have a purpose when you want to change job or change role. Don't just change for the sake of changing or like higher salary. And because like, um, in contrast to the popular belief nowadays where we you know we have to change or jumping around that um, employers do not really like you know jumping CV although you have to keep exploring whether internally or externally even in your second job third job keep explore yourself because at different jobs you are at different time of your career or your life where you want different things so what you want at this point in time might be different to what you want 10 years later when you have like maybe more responsibility change of you know situation in your life and when again when you want to move there are few factors to consider which is the pay scale scale you know different industry have different benchmarks you may want to search more in your targeted industry or your current industry um, positions not about the title but as Sid mentioned about how much impact you can uh, bring to the company you may be just an analyst by title but then um, you may have more impact or uh, even like um, as much as your MD and then the last one is the nature of the industry itself 
So few actionable tips from Sid. Um, first, build that uh, internal network, internal stakeholder management, as Sid previously explained, and that will help you to move around. Hopefully, because most of us work in a global company, then we can try from internal search or you know internal referrals uh, from your ex colleagues or whoever that um, can help you to get a better opportunity. So in touch with your ex colleague, in touch in LinkedIn, have that. You know, if you want to be in touch with targeted people, reach them out, uh, put more, a little bit more efforts and reach, uh, write a message, tell your story to get their attention. And also the last one could be, you know, about like reaching out to recruitment agency, Hudson, like what Sid is particularly doing. If you guys like, you know, in the mid um, city works, I think, uh, with mid senior executives, like around that. So if you are thinking um, to you know, really, really think or consider to move industry, you feel free to reach out to Sid. We'll share um, his email probably down uh, down below in our <laughs> podcast later <laughs> or wherever it is. We will share definitely or in our group later. So feel free to in in touch with him as well. Um, I think as he mentioned that he likes to socialize. Maybe <laughs> invite him to your party as long as it's safe. Probably Sid will be there. Have some beers. Will <laughs> be there. So. That's pretty much it uh, from us. Thank you, Sid, for coming on our show here tonight. We've certainly learned a lot from you today. Thank you to IPA Hong Kong for this uh, event. If you'd like to check them out and become an IPA member yourself, feel free to reach them out via their Instagram as well. And so that wraps up our first season of MDR Talks. Yay! But uh, seriously, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to our show. It truly means the world to us to have you guys listen reply our Instagram polls, give feedback to us, and just overall be super supportive of us. Mickey and I have learned a lot about what it takes to make a podcast, although it's certainly not easy, but we'll look to bring you guys even more and better content going forward. Uh, we're not perfect, but we're still learning along the way. Uh, but for now, we'll be taking a short break just to regroup a little and get more guests on our show for season two. So stay tuned for that. Once again, thank you, take care, and We'll see you in our next episode. Bye.